0: Some people define faith as positive thinking, as if we can force Jesus to do what we want Him to do. However, biblical faith trusts what Jesus will do in His way and in His time, instead of demanding what Jesus must do. In this message from Matthew 8, verses 11 through 21, David Platt points us to a picture of true biblical faith, knowing who Jesus is should cause us to trust Him in every circumstance. This is the Radical with David Platt podcast. Here is David with a message titled, What Faith Looks Like for Moms and the Rest of Us Too.
1: Well, hey, I'm David Platt. If you uh, don't know, (laughs) it's like, wear something besides jeans and a polo shirt every once in a while, man. So anyway, uh... All dressed up today in honor of my mom and moms and grandmothers and great-grandmothers all across our church family. So, if you have a Bible, and I hope you or somebody around you does, let me invite you to open with me to Mark chapter 8. I have been so looking forward to this time in the Word today. Yes, for moms for whom this is a day of celebration, as well as for many for whom this day for a variety of reasons may be tender. So... I want to welcome those of you online as well as those at other locations, especially Prince William and Loudon. It's good to be together on Mother's Day. I do want to mention a couple of things before we dive into God's word, but based on God's word. Um, one, I trust that it's not lost on us, as I was praying through this week and coming to this day, that we would hear about potential news from Supreme Court in our country regarding abortion on the week leading up to Mother's Day. And obviously a ruling's not final or official at this point, but I just want to say to us as a church family that we want to be eager to pray and to work for the good of children in the womb, as well as their moms and their dads. I spent a lot of time at Secret Church a couple of Fridays ago talking about how God clearly forms children fearfully and wonderfully from conception, and how we have a responsibility to do justice in all kinds of ways in this world, including justice for unborn children and for their moms and dads. We desire just laws in our country that protect the unborn and just laws that provide for children and their moms and dads after they are born. And we as a church are committed to Coming alongside those moms and dads and children through pregnancy care centers, through the foster care system, through adoption. Just imagine, church family, that there were no more abortions. That would mean even heightened need for adoption and foster care and coming alongside moms and dads with unwanted pregnancies. So let's put our feet to that. I wanna encourage you in a fresh way today to pray specifically about how God might be leading you or your family to care for children, moms and dads in any of these ways and more. And, And at the same time to say in a fresh way today if Any of you now who are listening to this or in the future find yourself with a pregnancy that was not planned and you don't know what to do, please, please, please reach out to someone here. Speak with somebody in the lobby today. If that's you, you can always email counseling at mcleanbible.org. We want to come alongside you, care for you in any way you need to help care for your child, help you care for that child, or help... You put together a plan to care for that child. Please, 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 whatever you do, do not abort the baby whom God's forming in you. And one other thing I should add, just to make the connection with what Mike highlighted uh, in our special needs ministries a couple of Sundays ago, something I addressed at Secret Church also, but because of fetal genetic testing, it's much easier now to find out about special needs in a child before birth in ways that actually lead to more abortions. And I just want to pause yet again and praise God for children across our church family and community who have special needs and to praise God for the parents, specifically the moms today who are caring for them hour in and hour out, day in and day out. We praise God for you and we honor you. And the second thing I wanted to mention is this Sunday it happens to be one of our family worship Sundays, when kids of all ages are in the worship gathering with us, which likely means uh, some additional sound, and you never know what's going to happen, moments in our gathering, which we also celebrate. So just as a reminder, if you have a child, they start making noise, and somebody gives you a new, like some kind of look, you just give them a look back and know, I got your back, not theirs. So uh, in a... Christ-centered way, um, who welcomed the little children to himself when everybody else was saying, push them away. So on these Sundays, we just once a quarter just remind ourselves, hopefully, of the value of family worship in our homes as families, so not just when we come together in this setting, and then also when we come together in the setting, having children with us. And and then we also want to honor the many volunteers who serve in our children's ministry week in and week out with a Sunday off. And we often do things a little different on these Sundays. Last quarter, it was learning uh, a song to use in family worship in your homes with Jesus in your boat, complete with motions. Don't get worried. We're not doing song with motions today, but hopefully you've been able to use that in your homes. Today, we're going to do things a little different too at a couple of different points as evidenced by some props I have up here. But What I want to do is read this text, and then if you're taking notes, which I would encourage you to do, I want to show you three things about faith that I would just say I really needed to see this week in my own life. And along the way, I want to apply these truths to moms specifically and to women, and ultimately to all of us in this gathering And I'm going to bring some people up at a couple of different points on stage to help me with that, starting with a couple of my own kids. So I think they're coming out here, Isaiah and Mara, my 11-year-old and 9-year-old. So we're going to start just by reading the text together. And instead of me reading it alone, I've asked them to read it with me. So parents, I would encourage you, read the Bible with your kids to your kids, have them read it to you, alongside them, get creative. So one of the things we sometimes do is like, one person will read a verse, and the next person read the next verse, the next person read the next verse. That way one person isn't reading like a long passage and everybody else is totally tuning out, which happens in family worship. So what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna read a verse starting in Mark chapter eight, verse 11, then Isaiah will read the next verse and then Mara and so on. So Mark chapter eight, verse 11. When I broke the five loaves for the five thousands, how many baskets full of broken pieces did you take up? And they said to him, twelve. And the seven for the four thousand. How many baskets full of broken pieces did pieces did you take up? And they said to him, seven. And he said to them, Do you not yet understand? Mary, you want to pray for us? Sure. Dear God, I pray that today we'll honor you in everything we do, and God, I pray that today we'll um learn more about you today in the Bible. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you, guys. All right, so let's, let's remember the context for the words we just read. Remember what happened just before this. You can look at it in your Bible. We talked about it last week. Pastor Mike led us to see how Jesus just fed over 4,000 people with seven loaves of bread. And when they were finished, they picked up seven basketfuls of leftovers, and that was after Jesus, on a previous occasion, fed over 5,000 people with five loaves of bread and two fish, and they collected 12 basketfuls of leftovers that day. Yet, after all of this, the Pharisees, this group of religious leaders, came to Jesus and started arguing with him. They're asking him to show them a sign from heaven. To show if he is who he really says he is. Basically saying, we'll believe in you if you do this or if you do that. Now, we can look pretty negatively at these Pharisees and for good reason. But let me ask you a question. Do you ever approach Jesus like this? Think about it. Do you ever say, God, I will trust you if, and you fill in the blank? It starts early. Think about kids. Maybe it's, God, I will trust you if I make the team. If I get the grade. If I get the date. If I make it into this school. If I get this scholarship. And it only continues from there. God, I will trust you if I get the job. If you provide a spouse. If you provide children. If you heal my body, if you heal my child, or my mom, or my dad, or my friend, if you, and the list goes on and on and on with different things we might fill in the blank, and it's good to pause and ask, am I trusting God, or am I testing God? Because there's a significant difference between the two. And write it down, first truth we see about faith here is that faith trusts what Jesus will do instead of demanding what Jesus must do. Faith trusts whatever Jesus will do instead of demanding what we think Jesus must do. Just ask the question, Where in your life right now are you prone to test God instead of trusting God? What is God calling you right now through his word to trust him with today? And did you notice how the text says these Pharisees argued with Jesus? Do you see how a lack of trust in God Can so subtly, easily lead to arguing with God? Do you ever find yourself doing that? Do you ever get to the point of contending with God, essentially insisting that you know better than God? Oh, friend, you don't. I don't. We don't. God is all wise, and we are not. God is all good. And we are not. God is completely holy, just, and generous, merciful, and loving. And you and I are not. And when you know this about God, when you believe this about God, then you are free. You are gloriously free to trust what he will do instead of demanding what he must do. Unless, so I should add this caveat, because it's here in the text, unless we are demanding that God be faithful to his character, or faithful to his word, God actually delights in that kind of trust, trusting that God will be true to his character, trusting that God will be true to his word. Let me show it to you. Jesus gets into the boat with his disciples. And they get out in the water. And verse 14 says, they had forgotten to bring enough bread. They had only one loaf for all of them. And listen to what Jesus said. Verse 15, he cautioned them, saying, Watch out. Beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the leaven of Herod. Now, this picture of leaven is pretty common in the Bible. Of how a small amount of something that's not good, that's evil, can affect everything around it in a negative way. So think about it. What what is it that was particularly not good, bad about the Pharisees, the religious leaders of the day, and Herod, the Roman leader of the day? I think the answer is pretty clear. Both the Pharisees and Herod, despite all kinds of evidence of who Jesus is, refused to believe in him. We actually talked about Herod during our last family worship Sunday. It was clear Herod lacked faith in Jesus. And then as we're seeing today, Pharisees, they lacked faith in Jesus, demanding a sign from him. But now Jesus is talking to his disciples and he's saying, beware of the leaven in them because he sees a lack of faith and belief in his disciples. But the disciples don't get it. In verse 16, they start discussing how they have just a little bit of bread. And Jesus says, why are you discussing the fact that you don't have enough bread? Do you not perceive or understand? Are your hearts really that hard? Having eyes, do you not see? Having ears, do you not hear? And then Jesus says it. Look out at the end of verse 18. And do you not remember? Now, why is that line so significant? Well, think about it. Picture it. Here are 12 guys in the middle of a lake with one piece of bread, worried because they don't have enough food, it's like they had completely forgotten that the man in the boat with them can do a lot with a loaf of bread. Like if Jesus can take five loaves of bread and feed over 5,000 people and have 12 basketfuls left over, if he can take seven loaves of bread and feed over 4,000 people with seven basketfuls left over. Then one loaf for 12 guys, 13 if he's really hungry, seems fairly doable, don't you think? But it's like they had totally forgotten what Jesus had done with the bread. And as a result of their forgetfulness, they were exhibiting a lack of faith. The leaven of the Pharisees and Now here's the deal, we can be pretty hard on these disciples, too. Like, why don't you guys get it? He, he knows what to do with bread. Like, how could they forget? But let's pause for a moment and ask ourselves, do you sometimes forget, especially in those moments when things are not working out like you planned or hoped, when you're facing struggles, big or small? How easy is it to get so focused on what we want God to do that we completely forget what God has done. See this second truth about faith. Faith remembers what Jesus has done. Faith, especially when it's struggling, stops and remembers all the ways God has been good and God has been faithful and God has shown himself trustworthy. So I think about the book of Joshua in the Old Testament. If you want to, you can hold your place here in Mark chapter eight and turn to Joshua chapter four. I'll put it up on the screen, though if you don't have a Bible. So God was about to lead his people into the promised land, into the land God had promised them way back in Genesis chapter 12, literally centuries before. And they had to cross the Jordan River to get into the promised land, which was no mere stream. It was a running river, the book of Joshua says, to the point of overflowing its banks and all of God's people, thousands upon thousands of them from all different ages had to get across that river and there was no bridge. And God said, here's what you do. Let the priests who are carrying the Ark of the Covenant, which was the symbol, of picture of God's presence among his people, he said, let them step into the Jordan River. And as soon as they do, the waters will stop. And they'll pile up on one side and all the people can walk through the river on dry land. that's exactly what happened. The people walked to the Jordan River on dry land with the water piled up from flowing on them. Just imagine that scene with your kids, with your family, with everybody else. This is amazing. It's totally dry. Like the water stopped right there as thousands of them go across. And do you remember what God told Joshua to do? There were 12 tribes in Israel, and God said, Joshua, have one man from each tribe pick up a stone from the Jordan River and bring it with them to the other side. And then you set those 12 stones up together beside each other as a memorial to remind you how I was faithful to my promise, how I miraculously brought you into this land. And that's exactly what Joshua and the people of Israel did. Read this with me. Joshua chapter four, verse 19. The people came up out of the Jordan on the 10th day of the first month and they had camped at Gilgal on the east border of Jericho. And those 12 stones, which they took out of the Jordan, Joshua set up at Gilgal. And he said to the people of Israel, when your children ask their fathers in times to come, what do these stones mean? Then you shall Let your children know Israel passed over this Jordan on dry ground. For the Lord your God dried up the waters of the Jordan for you until you passed over, as the Lord your God did to the Red Sea, which he dried up for us until we passed over, so that all the peoples of the earth may know that the hand of the Lord is mighty, that you may fear the Lord your God forever. These stones were intended to be a physical reminder to God's people of what God had done. You know what's interesting? This place, Gilgal, with all these stones set up, basically becomes the command headquarters for conquering the promised land. You read the rest of the book of Joshua, and after victories and defeats, Joshua and the people continually come back to Gilgal, this place with these stones, to remember What a picture. They're literally facing battles in the promised land, and they're continually coming back to these stones to remember God's faithfulness. Get that imagery in your life. It is really good to remember, to even have physical markers in your life that you can look at, particularly on the days when your faith is struggling, and you can remember God has been faithful. And God's hand is mighty. And don't believe the lies that the adversary is telling you otherwise. He is faithful and mighty. Loving and good. The stone was a reminder of that. And did you notice the importance of this in the family? So that you can tell your children what God has done. These stones, physical markers, they're not just for you. They are for future generations to know what God has done. And not just future generations, so that all the peoples, all the nations of the earth might know that God is faithful and good and loving and mighty. Church, remembering what God has done is such a vital part of faith in each of our lives and in our life together. And think about it. How much more do we have to remember than they do? Faith remembers. Now, let's follow this. Not just what Joshua did and the people of God did, but does anybody remember what Joshua's name translated in the New Testament is? Jesus. His name means Yahweh or the Lord saves. So we don't just remember, Joshua leading God's people once they'd come out of slavery in Egypt, wandering in the desert, across the Jordan River into the promised land, though that is a part of our faith heritage. We're in that line of faith, but on a much higher level and a way they could have only dreamed in Joshua chapter 4, we remember the one who saves named Jesus, who has brought us out of slavery to sin, who is leading us to an eternal home, eternal life in heaven. Amen. Oh. Listen really closely here, particularly if you're exploring Christianity or you're not yet a follower of Jesus, let me tell you what Jesus has done. You and I, every single person in the world has sinned against God, the God who loves us and formed us and created us. Yet you and I and everyone in the world has rebelled against God has turned aside from him and his ways to ourselves and our own ways. And as a result, we are separated from God. We're slaves to sin on a road that leads to everlasting, never-ending judgment in hell. But the good news of the Bible is that God has not left us alone in this state. God has come to us in the person of Jesus his son. And Jesus has done what no one else in history has ever done. Jesus has lived the life we could not live, a life of no sin against God. And then even though he had no sin for which to die, Jesus chose to die on a cross for sin, to pay the price for the sins of all who would trust in him. And that's not all he did, because three days after he died, he walked out of the grave in victory over sin and death. So that anyone, anywhere in this room, other locations online, anyone in the world who turns from their sin and themselves and trusts in Jesus to save them, you will be forgiven of all your sin and restored to relationship with God for all of eternity. I invite you, we invite you to trust in Jesus today. And then when you do, for all who have in those moments when you are tempted to doubt God's goodness, to wonder about God's work, or to worry about this or that, stop and remember what Jesus has done. Does he love you? Look back, not just at stones. Look back at a wooden cross and remember yes he loves me so much remember where you were a slave to sin remember that he has now set you free remember that you were on a road that led to hell you are now on a road that leads to eternal joy in heaven remember even that moment when you first realized Jesus love for you and realize that you didn't get to that moment on your own, that God was working all along in ways. Like, I, I went back. This is a New Testament that my pastor, when I was growing up, brought and gave to me the day I was born, to David Joseph Platt by Pastor Harris on July 11th, 1978. Now, I obviously could not read it. I mean font. I don't know how you get a New Testament into this right here, but even if I, it was a bigger font. That, the, the font was not the problem in the hospital. But before I even knew to pursue God, God was pursuing me. Amen. And then, then I came across, uh, so this church, Briar Lake Baptist Church, where I grew up, in metro Atlanta, Georgia. I was uh, 30 seven years ago this last Thursday that I was baptized in this church. And I I found, like, these are notes from when I was in youth Bible studies. I was taking notes, being taught the Word. And these are just a couple of physical markers that are a reminder to me. When I have moments, and I do have moments, when I start to wonder and ask and struggle, It's really good to remember that from the day I was born, God was working to show his love toward me throughout my life, in this way or that way. And your stories are different. All of our stories are different. You may have not heard the gospel from when you were born. You may have not had this or that in your life, but God has been at work in your life The God of the universe loves you. Even if you're hearing the good news of Jesus for the first time today, it's because he has brought you to hear that good news. It's because he loves you. It's because before you ever had any thought of what it would mean to pursue God, he was pursuing you. Remember this. Remember this, and not just remember it, and write it down, like, to the extent possible, pull out physical markers and put them in prominent places that remind you what Jesus has done in ways that will strengthen your faith in whatever Jesus will do. And not just your faith, but others' faith. And tell your kids what he's done. Have markers in your home that point to what he's done. Not just your kids, your friends, your neighbors, your coworkers. Tell them what Jesus has done. Amen. On a cross, tell them what Jesus has done in your life. In this way or that way, it's not just for you. It's for you to pass on to coming generations and to all the nations the goodness of what Jesus has done. Faith remembers what Jesus has done. And now think about it for these disciples back in the boat. And what physical sign did they have to remember by? It was bread, right? Like they were holding in their hands. And every other time they picked up bread, they had a sign in their hands. Just recalling memories. Pick up a piece of bread. I remember (laughs) there were 5,000 people. And we thought, there's no way. I remember how Jesus took five loaves. Everybody was full. I had 12 baskets, like every one of us was holding a basket left over. You just remember that by looking at bread. You remember the power and the provision of Jesus. Bread was intended to be a daily reminder of what Jesus had done, but they were missing it. Do you see this? In a way that we can too, I would submit, based on we could go to Exodus, Deuteronomy to show this. We could look at the Lord's prayer in Matthew chapter six, give us this day our daily bread, Bread is intended to be a daily reminder to you and me of the provision, the power, the love of Jesus. This is the faith that's been passed down to us. So kids, parents, people of all ages, when you sit down for bread or food on your table today, don't just pause for a perfunctory prayer before you eat. Pause and remember, God is good and God is faithful to provide and God will be faithful to provide let your meals on a daily basis particularly when you're struggling in your faith let a simple meal of bread and food on your table remind you in that moment you are not alone that Jesus the one who took bread and multiplied it for me he is with you and he is committed to providing for you. Remember what Jesus did one day with food, with bread, like that, and remember, you can trust him with whatever he is doing in your life. And, so follow this, don't just trust in what he has done or what he will do, remember what Jesus said right after he fed the 5,000 in John's account of that story? All the people were saying, give us more bread, give us more bread. What did Jesus say to them? Jesus said to them, John 6 35 I am the bread of life. Amen. I am. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger. Whoever believes in me shall never thirst. Follow this. Faith does just remember what Jesus has done. Third truth to write down faith realizes who Jesus is. Amen. The whole picture of these disciples in the boat. Jesus wasn't about whether they had one loaf or 12 loaves. It was about who was in the boat with them. Faith is not just about remembering what Jesus has done or even wondering what Jesus will do, but realizing with all filled wonder who Jesus is. And who is he? Let me remind you, especially if you're struggling in your faith right now, Let me remind you who Jesus is. We'll just work our way through the alphabet. Jesus is the alpha and the omega, the beginning and the end. He's the one who had the first word and he's the one who will have the last word. Jesus is the bread of life, the only one who can satisfy our deepest needs. Jesus is Christ, our creator. He's the one who breathed life into you and sustains your breath at every moment right now. Jesus is our deliverer, our deliverer from sin. He delivers us from Satan. He delivers us from death. Jesus is our everlasting Father. He is God in the flesh. Jesus is the good shepherd who cares for us, the great shepherd who lays down his life for us. Jesus is the great high priest who is seated at the right hand of the Father right now, who lives to intercede for you and me. Jesus is the Holy One, a part in whom there is no equal, apart from whom there is no equal, in whom there is no error. There is no one like him in his holiness. He's the image of the invisible God. He's the judge of the living and the dead. Jesus is king of kings. Jesus is lord of lords. Jesus is majestic. He's mighty beyond measure. No one compares to him. He's the only begotten son of the father, full of grace and truth. Jesus is the power of God, the provider of our needs according to all of his glorious riches. He's the quieter of our souls, the redeemer of our lives, past, present, and future. He is the all-sufficient savior. He's the truth. He's the way. He's the life. He is the very word of God in the flesh. He is Yahweh the great I am. And he is zealous for you, (laughs) exalted above all. Do you see it? This is Jesus. Realize, faith realizes who he is. See it, do you perceive? Do you understand? I pray that God would give you eyes to see and ears to hear right now that this Jesus is for you. He's for you if you will trust in him. You'll trust in who He is, and how much He loves you. So to every mom walking through the stresses and challenges of mothering right now, to every single mom struggling through those stresses without the help of a husband by your side for whatever reason, to every mom who's lost a child in some way, maybe through miscarriage, or maybe another age, or, or maybe whose child is distant from you, from the Lord right now. To every woman who desires to be a mom, but God has not yet provided in that way. To every woman or man or girl or boy whose mom is no longer in your life or maybe whose relationship is strained with your mom and beyond, regardless of who you are and what you're walking through today, realize Who is in the boat with you right now? Jesus is in the boat with you. Realize who he is. Remember what he has done. And trust in what he will ultimately do. I I wanted to share God's word like that, particularly on this Mother's Day, for two reasons. One, in a room full of physical mothers and fathers... And spiritual mothers and fathers. Let's teach the next generation to know and love the Word of God. More important than anything else we could impart to them any sport, any subject, anything else. Let's teach them to know and love God such that His Word is hidden in their hearts. And have something to stand on. Let's not give them things to stand on that are all going to burn up in the end. That are all going to fade in the end. Let's give them what will last in the end. And then, second, I wanted to share that because of where Matthew 6 ended. Did you hear that? Jesus, through his words, saying through Allison's voice to a room full of moms and others, walking through all kinds of things. Don't worry. Don't worry. Trust me. Seek me and my kingdom, and I will provide. All these things will be added unto you. Trust me. Let's hear, perceive, understand, and live based on that word to us today. Will you bow your heads with me? All across this room, other locations online, just between you and God. God has a trust spoken to you through his word. I want to ask every single person within the sound of my voice, have you put your trust in Jesus? Have you put your trust in Jesus? And if the answer to that question is not a resounding yes in your heart, I invite you, right now before God just to say yes yes today is the day yes Jesus I trust in you I trust you to save me from my sins against you I trust you with my life now and forever I trust you as Lord and King of my life and to know when you place your faith in Jesus that he God forgives you of your sins. God draws you, restores you to relationship with Him now and forever. And for all who have, can you just pray before God now in a fresh way and say, God, I trust you. I trust you with this, with that, all these different things that may come to your mind. Just say, Jesus, I trust you, who you are, what you've done, and I trust whatever you will do. God, I pray for that kind of faith to be strengthened today in hearts all across this gathering.
0: For the next 30 days, you're invited to join us as we journey through the Word and focus our prayer efforts on the church in Afghanistan. Subscribe to the Pray the Word podcast with David Platt for short, daily meditations on God's Word that not only drive us to pray— but drive how we pray, specifically for the church in Afghanistan this month. Well, that's it for today's episode. I'm your host, Stacy Martin. For additional articles, podcasts, events, and more, visit Radical.net or follow us on Facebook and Instagram.